Hi, we're Border Security. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great game. My God, what a great game for kids, right? <laughs> hey, it's Border Security for small children. <laughs> Are you here legally? Oh, Brian, they have it. It's called Papers, Please. Wow. No, it's a, it's, no. It's a, it's a great game. Papers, Please. <laughs> wow. Papers, Please. That's exactly oh, what that's it is. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. legal in this country or not? Okay, Papers, Please. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, we shot you in the head. So, your name is really Jean. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think your name is Jean. Release the hounds. <laughs> good. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Aaron Fitzgerald has been making money from doing silly voices for over 20 years, starting with animation in Vancouver. I think that makes her a Canuck, right? Before relocating to Los Angeles a few years later. So does that make her a king? Only hockey fans will know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyways, Erin is a sought-after voice actor for cartoons, video games, and anime. She can be heard on TV in the three-time Emmy-winning Ask the Storybots, the popular series Monster High and Ever After High, and in a few games that yeah, you may have even heard of. Things like World of Warcraft, League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm, Hearthstone, and the Final Fantasy series. Wow. Not too shabby there. As a voice acting coach, Aaron loves to focus on helping actors discover different ways to create their own unique characters that they can lose themselves in and really fuel their creativity. And as a writer, she wrote the ebook 10 Things Any Voice Actor Will Tell You If They Are Me, geared especially for actors at the very beginning of their journey. She's very, very busy and very, very fun to talk with. But for now, she's here. So, let's talk voiceover, Aaron Fitzgerald. Let's do it. Game on. That was super fancy. You made me sound super fancy. (laughs) You know, I like to make people sound super fancy at the beginning so that, therefore, if later on in the conversation I kind of go in a direction, they're a little more forgiving. That's nice. You got to take it where you can get it, right? I'm taking it. (laughs) Thank you. I got I got to start with the way that I met Aaron because I this is still one of my favorite oh, stories. Um, oh, I heart you. I, I, I don't re- well I do remember how Aaron came into my sphere, but but it was uh, she was recommended like you got you got to include this girl. She's amazing. She's fantastic with accents. She's just great to work with. So I throw Aaron into an audition that she lands, and this audition was for a game where her character was. Uh, a Mexican-American. Her first language was Spanish, but she had essentially grown up in the United States, and so she has a slight Hispanic accent, but very fluent in English. And that was really central to this particular character. And so we get in the session, and uh, we're starting to set the character, and uh, the writer on on the game uh, listens to the first thing that Aaron does, and you know, and she, she reads with, with an accent, and she goes, uh, and he goes, um, you know, I think that's a little bit too strong can you can you dial it back again and so Aaron said okay so here's what we're going to do 
I'm going to start with a really strong accent, and then I'm going to slowly dial it back, and you tell me when we get to the place where you want me to be. And oh, literally, very and li- cool. And literally, it was like, I, you know, there's a dial, and on one side, it's heavy Spanish accent. On the other side, it's no accent. And it was like she just started talking, and the accent kept going back, like literally like you were turning this dial. And the writer said, okay, right there. And Aaron held that accent right at that spot for the entire rest of the session. Wow. At that point, I was in love. <laughs> I can see why. It was fun. But I do need to note that since in the last four years, I've been really strict on um, diversity casting. And even though I can do accents from all over the world, if the uh, characters aren't uh, white characters from white countries with white accents, I now I've been turning down uh, roles so that um, more diverse casting can happen in voiceover because I feel like that has been missing for a minute. So I did need to say that because it has been a mission of mine for the last four years to get my girlfriend yeah. some work. No, you know and what I, I mean? completely agree. But that still is a pretty amazing story. It was an amazing experience and I loved it. And I also have had like it seems like all of my Spanish experiences happen with you. Well, right, because there was that other <laughs> game that we did for the uh, for the TV network um, that oh that, that was no, that Dar- Aaron did it in Spanish. She didn't speak. I speak French fluently for the record. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Perfect. You know, that doesn't take talent now, does but it? He, but here's the thing about this, Brian, is that the client is a Spanish language television network out of New York. And mm-hmm. they approved mm-hmm. Aaron because she could nail everything so well and she could read it when it was given to her. Wow. And you nailed it. Whee! How'd you get into voiceover, Aaron? I think you told me once. Well, I love that we call it voiceover now when it was always just acting. Um, <laughs> like for years and years, you were you trained to be an actor. And if you were lucky, you booked work wherever you could, either on stage or behind the camera or or in front of the camera or, you know, doing commercials on the radio. You, just, you know, you were just always an actor, just finding all the different areas where Fair you point. could act, right. whatever mm-hmm. it was. So um, it's been fascinating this journey into – um, like even when I first started working behind a microphone, it, it still hadn't been branded voiceover. It still wasn't even like that was before the internet. That was when we had pagers. And I was booking cartoons. Like I, my first job I booked was Ed, Ed and Eddie on Cartoon Network. Yay! Yeah. Oh, actually, even before that, before that, I was the very first job I had that was, um, what y- y'all would label voiceover. I was working in a Walla group, a looping group in Vancouver, Canada. And so I was looping um, th- a series called Outer Limits, which is like horror. It's like yeah, it's like sci-fi Twilight Zone, stuff, right? but it was updo- yeah, yeah. updated. And I was I, w- I had to do um, Alyssa Milano's episode and I was doing all of her efforts and her reacts for this episode. And there was a huge sex scene and she had just gotten the girls done. So she was looking fierce. So I remember it was the first session I'd ever done looping. And um, the actor who was doing the lead actor, uh, the actor behind the mic was Michael Dobson. And Michael Dobson and I, who had never met before, had to do pretend sexual activity behind a microphone while standing next to each other. And he's like British descent and I'm Canadian. So we were very uncomfortable and it was very <laughs> well, that awkward. that makes for a great first and job. 
like yeah, super go. embarrassed. Like we were just like, it, this is so silly. It was my first gig. And um, but at the end of the actual episode, like because we did a lot of monster effort, monster efforts, we'd done like it, it, we ran the gamut, like not just efforts, but um, just regular Wallace scenes, regular monsters, horror, all it was so much fun. We just all had and I mean, of course, we're doing all of this in front of like 20 other people. So it makes it extra embarrassing. But at the end of the session, Dobson turned to me and was like, why aren't you doing cartoons? Mm -hmm. That's what he said. He didn't say voiceover. He said, why aren't you doing cartoons? Because I'm a character actor. And he recognized a fellow character actor. He's like, if you're a character actor, you're wasted in my 20s in front of the camera because they were not writing character roles for 20-year-old white girls on camera. They, In fact, they still aren't really. It's exactly the same character when you see a 20-year-old white girl on camera. <laughs> so, And I was bored with those characters. The, the only thing I booked on camera that I wanted to read for would be like hookers and drug addicts because at least there was something interesting going on. Um, and I did book those. See? And that was mediocre i'm not a fan of on camera acting it's just a lot more grind and a lot more waiting around i'm not a fan of hanging around on set like that was brutal i'd rather if i'm going to be um acting my butt off i'd rather be in a theater and being able to work scenes and work with other actors constantly i like the i'm a big interplay with other actors person and if i can't interplay with another actor then a director is i, I want to play i want to play with somebody i need i need that back and forth that reactive thing so just on his nudge i went all of a sudden it just kind of like my whole life and everything i'd done up to that point i had created i, I had literally listed i created all of these characters that for some reason i thought were going to end up in the theater because where else do you put characters as a female actor you put them on stage so um when he said that all of a sudden all of these characters made so much more sense behind a microphone because then I'm not limited by my body, my shade, my sex, anything. I'm just totally free. So um, within a month, I had a dream that told me how to make a voice demo. It told me the order of the characters and what each character could should say. I, it might have been a contemplation. Wow. I might have been awake in a meditation. But I got it and I wrote it down and it was a two-minute thing. And I had never listened to anyone's demo before. I didn't know how to do it. And then I called Michael's brother, Brian Dobson, and I'm like, dude, I got to make this demo. And so Brian Dobson produced my demo and helped me. And he'd never done that before. And we just kind of stumbled through it together as a first time. We we put together this demo. And that demo is what booked me um, an agent. It booked me uh, the audition for Cartoon Network, which was a brand new channel and nobody knew what it was. And it got me Dragon Tales, uh, Sabrina the Animated Series, uh, Fat Dog Mendoza, uh, Rainbow Fish. Like I just started booking series. And even then we weren't calling it voiceover. We were calling it cartoons. Video games really didn't have voices then. Right. And it wasn't until video games started using voices that it became really voiceover. Like, do you have a voice agent? Meaning, do you have an agent who can get you copy for cartoons and radio and anime and all that stuff? Like, we wanted to have uh, – because the agencies would have a voiceover department. So it was kind of like, well, that's where it was. Because the agents have to, you know, I have an on-camera department. I have a stage department. I have a voiceover. So they know I have a commercial department. I have a promo. Like, because agents are the ones that kind of like categorize us so that they know where the copy can go. So it really started there. Yeah, but at that time, voiceover was much more about the more traditional, stereotypical announcer thing, right? Yeah. It wasn't as much 
about characters because characters were considered, you know, you go to actors to find characters, right? They do character work for the most part. But even that is a terrible term because people think they're acting with their voice. Like the young generation think that they have to act with their voice. Voice acting is the worst word in the world because you got all these kids trying to do characters with their vocal cords instead of their whole body. And then they lose their voice and they can't hold a character. And it's just a giant mess. Because it's not voice acting. It's acting behind a microphone. Yes, right. More factually, absolutely. Even with that traditional voiceover, to do that great big announcer voice, you have to have incredible diaphragm, breathing control, all of that. Like the voice, all that. Vo- that's like singing training. It is. It is singing training. It is it's very exactly much the same stuff, which is why we've talked about before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many people who do voice acting, acting behind the mic, are also singers or are musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They understand it because it has a lot of the same elements yes. as mm-hmm. a musician would need in tonality and interaction and pacing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. clearly understanding how to use your instrument. But in this case, your instrument is your voice. I mean, your diaphragm is a huge part of your instrument. And that's a part that we don't really talk about so much. Like, you won't have a voice if you're not engaging your diaphragm. So all that singing training, any theater actor gets trained in voice, mm-hmm. not but they're not getting trained so that they can act from their voice. They're getting trained so that their voice can hold a show that runs for two hours a night, five nights a week, right. sometimes twice right. a day. Yep. You know, it's it's about longevity and endurance. The reason um, we call it voice is because that's, you know, voice classes because you're training the endurance of your whole instrument. But your, your, vo- your vocal cords are the last thing. Your vocal cords are a byproduct of the training. When you do any vocal training, your vocal cords are the byproduct of really figuring out how your diaphragm and your breathing works. Once you have your diaphragm and breathing locked, everything, the voice just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. It can go, it can do anything you want because you're changing. It, and I, I mean, I'm not a singer, but I can sing. But most of my vocal training when I first started was theater vocal training, you know, like the the diaphragm for breathing and, and the endurance for stage because, you know, musicals and stuff like that. And then I started taking singing lessons and that just rocked my world. Like I, I had no idea that my voice could do all the things that it could do with the proper diaphragm and mouth positioning and teeth positioning and, you know, really opening up in the sp- – like there was so much I had no idea about that I think – you know, if you're just starting out and you want to know, um, yes, I, I'm a big advocate of taking acting classes. If you want to be in cartoons and video games, acting yep. is still number one because they will go to a film actor before they go to uh, someone labeled a voice actor if they think they have a bigger following. Or anymore, a YouTube actor. Right. <laughs> well, and, and they've learned the hard way is that they don't necessarily have the endurance. Or the skills, right? I mean, the real or ability. The they have a following and that's what they bring. They don't know how much is edited right. at the end of the day, you know, and how much, how many takes. They, they find out, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, they oh, find yeah. out. <laughs> I'm always a big advocate of like, oh, no, you want, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be here when you need me. I'll <laughs> yep. be right over you know where here. To find me. By all means, make that decision. Fail all you want. Yep. Go ahead and pay them and you'll still have to pay me. You're welcome. Thank you. And I've I, so many clients that have said, I should have just hired you. I'm like, I appreciate that. Me or someone like me. <laughs> you know, like there's a, but some people just have to learn the hard way. The I'm other okay industry that. that's really experiencing that right now is e-learning, right? I mean, that's oh. a huge issue going on in e-learning because I'm still seeing 
a lot of people who are producers or writers or whatever going, so what microphone do you use to record your own voice for e-learning? <laughs> right. Yeah. Really? Because it's the microphone. Yeah, I use Mr. Microphone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So every right. answer is... Well, you certainly have the opportunity to do it yourself. However, there are voice professionals who have trained for a very long period of time. You know, thousands and thousands of hours of experience for what you'll end up paying them. You will get that back 10 times over in professionalism, in quality, in speed, in time. And they're like, yeah, so... What microphone should I use to record it myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love that because really what they're doing is they're time-sucking themselves. Right. Ultimately, what it really boils down to is it's going to take them three to ten times as long to produce the same thing, which ends up costing them more money than if they had hired a professional. It, it, there's something that that is devalued in the client's head when they when when an actor can knock it out in 10 yes, to 30 that minutes. that is true. Where they're like, they think oh, they're paying for wow, their time, you just, but they're you not. You just did it. No, they're they're paying for the for us making it look so damn effortless that they think they just need to buy a mic and yeah, they can they do, do it. Which is what the video game strike was about. Let's be real. The video game strike was oh, you're all literally saying to our faces that anyone off the street can do what we do. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, have fun with it. I'm sure it'll be phenomenal. <laughs> Go hire those people. Good luck. I mean, you know what it is? It's not even their voice. It's they don't have the imagination. This is what I figured out. I figured out that if you're on camera or on stage, you have the gift of other actors to react off of. Mm -hmm. You have props. You have costume. You, you can use your whole body in a way that you can't right. behind a microphone. And what happens is... When they're behind the microphone and they have to use their imagination to imagine that their character is where you would be if you were on camera, they freeze up. They don't know how to do that. Just like a voice actor who, like myself, who's been behind the mic for 20 years, like trying to get back into performance capture, I have not used my body in that way in so long. It feels so awkward. And so I'm like, it each... Each style is its own thing. You can't assume that without practice and coaching that you're just going to, oh, I can pop into that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You need to learn what it is that you need to shift. And for on-camera actors, because nothing is left to the imagination, all they have to do is feel and they have to feel it inside and not really express it with their body. They can only express it with their eyes. There, It's a such a different animal when you're in your imagination in a booth. Yeah. I think the biggest difference on camera is the subtlety. That's really what sells. Mm -hmm. It's so subtle that it feels when you're actually doing it on camera, it feels like you're not doing anything. Right. It does because you're not. Well, doing exactly. Anything. You're trying to emote the feelings and then you get the feedback and the energy and the interaction with other characters um, on stage with the audience. In the booth, you're often by yourself, and you have to be able to build all those people that you interact with, either with or in front of. You have to build those people back into your performance in the booth in real time. And this is why a, a good director is so invaluable. Like, you cannot put a price on an amazing voice director. And a voice director is – here's another thing that's been going on. I've been getting people who are clients, who are creators or animators, and they've been stepping in to voice direct. And I'm like, you can't, 
you can't. I appreciate that you have the full vision of your project, but a voice director has such a specific job that you can't even imagine. So what happens is, um, like, phenomenal voice directors, what they're doing is for the actor behind the microphone who has no information whatsoever, particularly if it's a video game, and the video game is epic upon epic upon epic, and they have there's so much story that there's no time to go over everything for the actor. And here's a, here's a shocker. The actor behind a mic doesn't need to know everything if you have a good voice director because the voice director will paint a picture line by line of what your character should be feeling, what your character should be imagining so quickly that you get the performance you need even if the director isn't giving you the exact scenario you're performing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. It, it absolutely does. You're saving tons of time. Well, and you're one of the best that I've that I've seen that, that is able to pick that up. And the other thing that, that you've always been able to do, and this is even a, a subset of a skill, you tend to have people who kind of fall into. Uh, I'm going to shortcut it with animation camp and video game camp, or another way to put it is the over-the-top stereotypical funny stuff versus the real world, I get into the nuts and bolts and the depth of this character. Right. And I'm not sure how you achieve that, but you are one of those people that is able to do both, that you can go into that real world, you know, you've done a lot of cartoon stuff, but you can go into that real world type, I've got to be a real believable, dramatic character. And you've got the ability to channel that, and not everybody can can pick that up. You know what? I think that comes from being um, a comedic character actor. I I have I don't know about you, but every comedic character actor I've ever known kills drama. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But if you but if you're a dramatic actor, you don't necessarily translate to um, comedic right. character. It doesn't. So they always say comedy is so much harder than drama, and, and it is. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's a timing thing. It's it's like it's like having an ear for music. Right. Y- you know, some people have it, some people just don't. And and comic character stuff. It's and, and I'm not saying I'm stand up. I'm not a stand up. But when I'm a when I'm a character that can be broad, I have a freedom about myself, and I give a permission to myself that dramatic actors never give themselves. Yep. I mean, think about your favorite Jim Carrey role, yeah. or your favorite Robin Williams role. Right? It's rarely the comedic, funny blockbuster kind of thing. Oh, Man in the Moon. Yeah, right, right. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. That one melted me. Oh, that was brilliant. And, you know, Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Those are my two mm-hmm. answers for those two questions, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say the king, the Kingfisher. Yeah, there you go, Kingfisher. Ooh, it's we could talk about it all day. Yes, yes. No, like and Whoopi Goldberg too. Like I mean, she was a huge influence sure. on me mm-hmm. growing up. Like the what she could do from going extremely ridiculous to completely serious in within a moment. Mm-hmm. Right, like what she did with her, her character in Ghost. Mm-hmm. She played the gambit from extreme comedy to absolute believable. Make me ball yeah. my mm-hmm. eyes out. Yep, that's full range. That's full mm-hmm. freedom. As a performer, to be absolutely that free. And um, not everybody has that ability to be that free. Depends on how you were brought up. Depends on what you're really good at. And some people in, I mean, there are some things dramatically that I can do, but there are some people who are just so much better than me in certain pockets because um, I do not always live there. That's not my common hanging out place. I can do it, but some people just kill it even stronger than I do because that's where they live. 
that's their universe. They they kind of sure. stay there in that pocket. And I admire that and I appreciate that. I gotta, this, this makes me think of another, another good Aaron story. We were working on a game that was actually a really good game that unfortunately didn't sell all that well, but it was, but it was a really lovely it game. It happens. And um, Aaron, it, as happens in video games, because you know they're working with a limited budget, so she picks up three characters, right? Two of them happen to be mother and daughter. Oh, wow. And they, and they speak to each other. And not only could you not <laughs> tell that Aaron was both, the, the denouement scene with the daughter. She's basically a scientist oh, on a man. transport, and her mother is uh, the commanding officer of this, of this space fleet. Which was amazing. Can we just talk about female characters? Just for a second, I want to, like, those two female characters were so badass, because it, it's, they weren't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, let's make her a girl. Right. They were just like real women characters, both at different ages. Like, that was such a score to me, car- booking-wise. I'm like, oh my god, this is it, so it juicy! It was. It was incredibly juicy, and, but the last scene, well, the last scene for the daughter is she is on these transports, and there it's it's a very much a Battlestar Galactica kind of story. That's that's yeah. not that's not really totally accurate, but okay. So for the sake of argument, you know the bad guys are coming, and they're trying to destroy the fleet. And to save the fleet, her daughter on a transport tries to take it out of range, knowing that they're going to chase her, and she's going to die. And her mother is on the intercom with her, telling her not to do it. The exchange on that is just, I mean, rips your heart out, you know, and never mind that Aaron is both characters. That's an amazing scene to be able to pull off one way or the other. But then to be both characters playing both sides of that emotional roller coaster. You know, but I would, I, I, thank you. I received that beautiful compliment, but I can't do that unless the writing takes me there. Right. And that writing was on it was. point. Like when I switch characters, I could fall a hundred percent into the writing, which it was like it was almost out of a body experience, you know? Yeah, that's the best way to explain it. Don't you it. love when you get on those projects where they don't try and shortcut anything, right? I mean, you know, they have the yes. most amazing writing, the most amazing directing, and the most amazing yes. cast. And everything. Every aspect of everything just works. Well, see, they they did shortcut on that one because I was directing, so. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, Randall. No. Come on. You know you're good, buddy. Like, think about how quick we knocked that out. We knocked that out quick. We got there. We did it. We, we did. left. We did. Bye. Drop the mic. Walk away. <laughs> like We nailed that. Teamwork makes the dream work. And that's because those projects that are pulled together the right way, those are the... I'm not going to say they're not hard, right? But but those are the ones that just work. Yeah. Right? You know yeah. when it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better than feeling like you're free as an artist to create yep. while other people who are creating are – like it's – there's nothing greater than the feeling of full collaboration where the director can do what they do uninhibited. The actor can just completely lose themselves in the director. The director can lose themselves in the writer. So like the beautiful train of the writer explaining something to the director, the director siphoning it down to like the absolute diamond direction to hand over to the actor and the actor placing that diamond in the heart chakra and then performing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 
you know, we were talking with Tom Keegan and we were talking about the exact opposite of that, about the Love breakdown uh, when that happens. And it is always something in right. that translation. It is something in that exact translation. Yeah. Um, if you have people who are at least competent, I mean, obviously, if you have brilliant people, it's always going to be better. But if you have people who are even just competent and right. they understand that communicate, you know, that, that communication that it is writer to director to actor, back to director, back to writer, and and they keep that together – you know, man, that's that. You're right. That's when you just knock, you just you it's just knock shit out, and and it's good, and and everybody goes for a cocktail later, and you know, and stuff gets done, and it gets done well. Well, one of one of my absolute favorite experiences was because of you, because you referred me to Andrea, and I auditioned for Blizzard, and I booked the part of Ural from World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor, and when I went in to record that, um, Andrea Toyas was directing, and um, I believe it was Helen was the writer on it, and we, it was just the three of us, plus the engineer, Dave, um, in the room creating. And I realized in that moment, I had never been in a session where it was a female director mm -hmm. and a female writer on mm -hmm. a game. And we, we dined on it. Like we chewed that up. We were so in, and it ended up being that, and that was the cinematic that um, was really, really popular. The Samara mm -hmm. cinematic with Ural and, and it, uh, man, like it too. Oh, so much. It was so juicy. It was one of those moments where I, I took a snapshot in my imagination and went, this is a, this is a shift in the consciousness of reality right here. Like we just did this, some glass ceilings have been broken today. Yeah. Well, Andrea definitely has broken some glass ceilings because I think that unless you are, you know, really an egotistical person, um, or you're doing something super niche, how you cannot look at her and go, if not the best in the game, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, who's, right. who's better? Maybe there are, you know, people who are equally as good. Um, and she continuously takes her own classes and improves her own skill and her exactly. own craft. And I love that as an actor because that, I mean, that's what we have to do. I mean, this is not a, oh, I've, I've made it to a certain, I mean, as an actor, I'm always getting older. And so my character um, roster gets bigger. It gets just, it keeps expanding based on my life experiences and what I can bring behind the mic. It keeps expanding. So I have to take classes to get in tune and touch, get in touch with the characters that I've never imagined myself playing before because you can get trapped as an actor in the characters you know you were booking with at a certain period of time in your life and sure and then you get cast in those for the rest of your life but how limiting as an actor like yes I get it this career you want it, to it's amazing to do be a professional actor get paid pay your bills pay pay your rent feed yourself off of acting that feels like a miracle in itself period I get it but when at the end of the day, and I've gone through this in my own career, and I'm just coming out of, um, I, I came out of a really abundant period and went into a lull period, which is such an important part of the creative process as an actor. And I knew it was coming because the abundant period lasted so long. I'm like, here comes a lull. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep. then, uh, and when the lull happened, here's the thing. Um, for any actor listening, especially if you are in the lull right now, don't resist the lull. The lull is the biggest gift you can get in your process as a career as an actor because the lull allows you to simplify because for a period of time, you're not booking constantly. So you get out of the mindset of dance, monkey dance of like uh, – 
you because because what happens when you're booking a lot is that, oh, I think I know what they want. I'm going to give them what they want. You stop doing what you want. Yeah. And you stop you get out when you're booking a lot. You stop being the creative artist you are for a minute because you know how to make money for a second and you start doing the characters that are making you money, which is a wonderful experience. I regret nothing. However, to get back to, oh, my God, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Okay, I see the specs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I could like I, I'm in a lull anyway. I, I have no control over what I, what's gonna book and what's not gonna book. So instead of doing my typical here, let me give them what they'll book, because you know, they, they get tired of that, right? You book, you book, you book, you book, you book, they overuse you, then you there's a period where that we can't use her right now. Let's get someone who sounds like her. You know what I mean? Like you see that in, in audition copy all the time. When you you know who's in a lull when they say, Hey, can we get this and, and make it sound like so and so? I'm like, oh, that person's in a lull. They've overbooked her. Son of a reap. Okay. So what I love uh, that whole getting back to um lighting my pants on fire in the booth and just figuring out what I want to do, creating something brand new, whether or not it's even appropriate for the character. I'm at a place of, I don't care because they're going to hear me. They're going to hear my character. It's going to be something different than everybody who read the breakdown and looked at the character. Because let's face it, everyone in LA is insanely talented. There is so much ridiculous talent here. We can all do each other's characters. Like legitimately, we can sound like them. Maybe we can't be them, but we can sound like them. We've just got that kind of skill and those kind of chops. So how do you make it different? You make it different by listening to your heart, following your spirit, and creating something for yourself first not for the client. And that's what lull periods are for. They're for creating new characters. They're for satisfying yourself as an artist. They're for not worrying, even though I know you're probably sitting there listening to me going, but I need the money if I don't do, but if you're not booking anyway, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? What difference does it make? I'll tell you what the difference is for me. I am so filled spiritually on a soul creative level. I feel like I am taking my craft to a whole other level for myself. I feel my performances are shifting and they're becoming more real for me in a way that I've always wanted to get them to. I feel like I'm working on areas that I've been weak on and I'm getting them much stronger. Um, I even started working on a one-woman show that'll have like 20 to 30 characters in it for children. I'm back, like I haven't done theater in 18 years and I'm gonna do this one-person show. Like, all of these things getting me back to why I loved this and why I knew at the age of three years old that I was going to be an actor, even though I didn't know what an actor was. But I knew I was going to be it. I just knew my whole life. I knew I was an actor. And so all the years of work and abundance and paying rent and all of those wonderful gifts felt amazing and validating and and the and the, the weird kind of small version of celebrity from fans who love the characters also very very validating but the lulls when you get back to that 3-year-old me where I get back to that 3-year-old me and go I love this I love acting I would do this if they didn't pay me I want to I've been working on friends projects I have got the time right now to help all of these animators with their projects. I've got time right now to help create stuff. I'm, I'm creating content, which I never had time to do before. And I'm creating content that fills my soul, fills my heart, and makes me feel like I'm living my purpose. So if, if you're in a lull, do that. Do you. Yeah. That's so important because 
it rekindles that fire within, yes, right? Which is a yes. whole reason why you started doing this in the first place. Yes. And we all go through that, right? I mean, you get to a point where it becomes a little rote. It's when you're I mean, I hate to say blasé or mundane. It's a job. It can become a job. But it, you're right. It can. It can become a job. Yeah. And then you lose the passion and the fire. And yeah, I still feel very blessed yeah. to be able to do it. It's not that you're ungrateful. Well, because some clients aren't, they're not letting you go all the way there, right? You, some yeah. clients are stifling and they crush your creativity. And it be, it's a job because the you're just doing they what they you, want. Right? I mean, exactly. we hired you because you do this. And you go, okay, fine, thank you. And then we look forward to the next time, thank right? And that's it. Yeah. You don't have the creativity aspect to it at that point. Yes. And it does become more of a mm-hmm. routine, mechanical practice kind of thing, right? And that's not... Yeah. I mean, yeah, the paycheck's great because that's what feeds us, but it's the creativity that feeds us as well, right? Other actors, other performers, other creators, Absolutely. I mean, we all started doing this without any intention of getting paid. Exactly. I mean, there's a rare example, like Charles Bronson, right? He got into acting because it paid him better than anything else he could do. Right. Wow. You know. One in a million lucky break here, right? But people get into acting because they have to. It's their passion, their creativity. Or they're an artist or they're a singer or whatever creative art form. Or they're a chef. If you've got that creative something calling you, you're going to do it whether or not you get paid. Absolutely. You know, whether or not I lived in L.A., if I, for whatever reason, decided to leave L.A., doesn't mean I would ever stop acting. I would just do it in a different form, in a different format, in a different place. I just would keep going. You find a way for that creative outlet. Because if you're creative, you can't have a creative outlet. A big piece Mm. of you really starts to die. Yes. That's when depression happens. Yep. That's when depression happens. And I think going through a lull and avoiding depression is easy if you allow your creative childlike spirit to just do what it wants to do and give it permission. Well, it fills the gaps. Exactly. Right? It fills that gap. It refills everything. Yep. Everything. Everything that – like the last – I remember the last year of my abundant period, I was getting so frustrated because I was being – crushed creatively by a a few jobs by people who were just so controlling and so domineering that I had no creative, um, I couldn't, I just couldn't breathe. I felt constricted, very constricted. And, um, and I was getting depressed while booking a lot of work. While your bank account is growing, right? I mean, Uh like, let me get bummed out that way. And I was getting talked to by engineers going, Aaron, you can't come in with that attitude. I'm like, my depressed attitude because I'm being crushed creatively, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how not to be that way. And I was like, I know I'm going to lose this job and I need this job. But the job wasn't making me happy anymore because I was being destroyed. Yep. Brian, this makes me think of something that that I think now is the time to, to bring it up. The lull period that's coming up, you know, whatever the next one is, you and I need to sit down and write that Stephen Hawking musical. <laughs> I'm delighted and excited. I will hope someday to be united. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. This is all the things. <laughs> wow, that kind of killed the rest of the conversation. Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally serious. <laughs> Feed your spirit, man. Feed <laughs> your <I'm> spirit. <laughs> I will pay money and see that. Yes. See? Oh, boy. <laughs> Absolutely. There is an audience. <laughs> so we have one paying customer, which, you know, is better than what the lull provides. So True. It's yeah, music, it's I'm comedy, in. and it's acting. It's everything we do. All of it. Um, All of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Aaron, you are a ball of energy and such a creative <laughs> force. Woohoo! I hope anyone listening to this really enjoyed it. If somebody wants to try and get a hold of you for any kind of consultation, training, um, accents, anything else, what's the best way to reach you? Okay. That, I don't know what y'all do. So I'm available pretty much everywhere. Um, like seriously, I'm, I'm on all the social media, like Instagram and Twitter. Those are, seem to be the main ones right now. That's accessible. My website is AaronFitzVO.com. That, but you through that, you'll probably just get my agent if you're looking to book me in that universe. But I am doing private one-on-one coaching now. And coaching is a bad word. Really what I, I do is one-on-one character creation workout sessions, actor to actor using Alexander technique and other, um, um, acting exercises and techniques that people can use every day to break out of the dance monkey dance mode so that they can get back to creating characters that fill their spirit. Um, and that I do solely over opencoaches.com. Um, that's just because it's all um, we do it. The classes over Skype or Zoom and it's just been amazing. And so I've been really enjoying that. Um, um, you can always email me aaronfitz.voiceartist at gmail.com. That's easy. I like that. Probably direct. Boom. I answer emails. And and one other thing too, because by the way, I have read Aaron's book. Yay! I have an ebook. Look what I did. That's a miracle. Well, I think that you. I, I think that it is a very very worthy book for people to read because you're you're candid. Thank you, you talk in your own voice. You, you manage to write in your own voice, so to speak. Um, I didn't know how not to. Well, I know, but. Does that make but sense? But I'm just saying, um, yeah. how do people, Thank how do people you. get your I appreciate book? Because that. I think if you, if you are, if you oh, are starting yeah. out in voice acting, um, maybe even if you're a little bit farther along in the journey, but you know, it's not, you haven't gotten to the point to where you can, you know, quit your day job, so to speak. I think there's a tremendous amount I, of value. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. The ebook you can get through my website, AaronFitzVO.com, or if it's easier, AaronFitzBadass.com, whatever you remember. And there's a there's a link, there's a page, e- Aaron's ebook. And the thing with the ebook is the ebook is great, but I'm even prouder of the right. audiobook, which is very funny because I didn't think I would do an audiobook. And someone's like, You're a voice actor, you should do an audiobook of your ebook. So I, I went above and beyond, and my audiobook is one after each chapter, I pick one of my favorite actors that I've worked with in the last 20 years and we talk for an hour on that chapter. So from America Young, Julie Nathanson, Kari Walgren, Jen Hale, Phil Lamar, um, uh, Deborah and, and Darren Cardona, um, Yuri Lowenthal, Tara Platt, uh, Steph Shea, like it's it's a 15 hour ebook. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or audiobook, like it's 15 hours of just professional conversation. And so if you're a beginner and you just want to get the ebook, that makes perfect sense. But if you're further down the road and you want more meat, that audiobook is insane. It's just insane. It's I still listen to it. That sounds like a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> 
But for now, it is that time. Randall? BT? Aaron? Randy and BT? Until next time, thank you. Yay, us. Woohoo! I told you she'd be good. Erin Fitzgerald really knows her stuff. We hope you learn from her experiences. She's been so willing to share. For more of that good stuff, connect with Erin via email at erinfitz.voiceartist at gmail.com. That's erinfitz.voiceartist at gmail.com. And check out her ebook at erinfitzvo.com. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, voice music and sound design, and Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. At least that's what I'm saying today. If you have comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing about, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com, or go to our website at www.letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher so you don't miss an episode, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Why the hell not? Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon.